trumpets of truth. This is actually the completing the weekend of the Feast of Trumpets. Um, and uh, God has a true word for us to receive today, so I'm really excited. Say, I'm a trumpet of truth. You didn't know that, but you are. You know, we love how Jesus came. We love how the Father loved us. We love how the Father of glory chose to give Jesus Christ his only begotten son to save us. We just love how the Father chose to redeem us all. We love how he has chosen to come and take the sin that we were born in and take it to the cross and kill it there (laughs) to give us life and life abundantly. We're so grateful for our great salvation. And this salvation is not only just eternal life, getting to live forever, but great forgiveness of our sins now and in all eternity. This great salvation is healing now and for eternity. Prosperity, wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. A peace that passes our understanding. God is physical and tangible. He's desiring to save, heal, and deliver to the uttermost. And so this is the gospel of the kingdom that we stand boldly in. And great Holy Spirit is the one that imparts the truth of the word of God. Holy Spirit is the one who is God and he entrusts the word to us. He imparts to us. He guides us and leads us into all truth. We're going to talk about that today. And he heralds literally from heaven the glorious gospel. There's angels that we see in the book of Revelation that literally will be covering the earth in the end times, just proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, giving God all the glory, honor, and praise. God desires that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And so this is a marvelous truth. And today we're going to talk just a little aspect of his truth. If you go, go to Psalm 17... We've received a great salvation. And just like we don't want to take for granted the rain we get, (laughs) we don't want to take for granted our great salvation. Every day, the believers should be the most joy-filled, thankful, happy people on the planet because we've been saved from above. And we have an inheritance that will endure forever in Christ. Hallelujah. We should be the most joyful people. We have hope, and we're called to give hope to others, yes? Psalm 17, verse 15. I'm going to read this out of the CSB, but it says, But I will see your face in righteousness, and when I awake, I will be satisfied with your presence or likeness. It says, But I will see your face in righteousness. When I awake, I will be satisfied with your presence or likeness. I will see your face, God. That's what he said. When I awake in righteousness and glory with you, I will see the face of righteousness. I will see the face of God. And not only that, I'm going to be satisfied in your presence. I'm going to be satisfied with your likeness. Because here's the glory of the gospel. He's transforming us into the same image from glory to glory, from faith to faith. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. We are literally being transformed into the image and likeness of our Heavenly Father. And this was uh, (laughs) written before the cross, yet by the same Spirit there was a desire in the heart of the man of God, seeking God, saying, knowing that there is a great resurrection, that there is hope beyond today, and purpose. I will see your face in righteousness. When I wake, I will be satisfied with your presence. Your likeness, I'm satisfied. Now go to Psalms 119. 
You know, there's a lot of dissatisfaction in the world. And people are dissatisfied because they haven't found the truth yet. They're going from thing to thing to thing to thing, trying to find peace, trying to find something to love them, fill a void in their soul or hearts. But Jesus is the answer, yes? He is the answer. Psalm 119, verse 105. This was a long one. He says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Now, this entire psalm, if you want to read it at home for fun, is all about the word of God. Literally. All of Psalms 119 is all about the word of God. And some of you have heard this, even sung songs about this. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But it's a really living, breathing reality of truth. God's word is truth. There is no nothing above God's word. God's word is truth. He is not a man that he should lie. Okay? God is truth. And so this, how I start this is he's called us trumpets of truth. We have to know and believe that we are being made into his likeness daily. We have to treasure his presence. We have to keep his word in our hearts, in our mouth, in our minds, in our eyes, and stay on the path of truth. Correct? So go back to John chapter 17. We all know this. John 17, verse 17. Jesus said these words over his people that follow him, okay? Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them by your truth. He's praying to his father that he would make us holy, set apart, precious for him. Sanctify them by your truth. Not by our works, not by our own righteousness, but by his righteousness, by his word. Your word is truth. So Jesus just affirms this. Now, Jesus is the word of God made manifest. So Jesus, the word, is sanctifying us every single day. We know that when we awake, we are satisfied with his presence, his likeness. We are being transformed moment by moment, day by day, into the Lord's likeness and presence and image. Sons and daughters of God, he calls us. Ambassadors, he calls us. Children of the Most High, he calls us. Born again ones, sanctified ones, justifies us, redeems us, makes us holy, gives us his spirit, imparts to us his nature, his character, It says in Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. Is this amazing that God Almighty would put his Spirit and his truth inside of us while we're still seeking him morning by morning, looking for his face? When I woke up, I am satisfied because I know that your love towards me is abounding. You don't wake up morning by morning to the voice of condemnation from Jesus. That's the devil's work, right? We wake up clean and pure because of the blood of Jesus. And we hear our Father. We hear our Father speaking over us truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Set them apart. Make them holy. Make them holy. 
By your truth, your word is truth. Go to John 14. John 14, verse 17. Actually, start on verse 16, because that's what we do, right? John 14, 16, he says, this is Jesus again. He says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The spirit of truth, the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth, you will know him. He will dwell with you. He will be in you. We just have to keep reminding ourselves, you're not just an empty vessel, You're not just another human being walking around on the planet, void and null of hope. Born again from above, you have the spirit of the living God living inside of you. The spirit of truth. Isn't this amazing? Now go over to John 15, 26. We're undergirding his truth. John 15, 26, it says, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So to his disciples, he is saying, the Holy Spirit, the Helper, is coming. The Spirit of truth comes from the Father, and his job is to testify of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's job is to reveal Jesus to us every day. Every day, so that when we awake, we are satisfied with his presence. He sanctifies us. He's the one that brings conviction. You know. You know when you're off. You know when you're in sin. You know when you're in the flesh. You know when you're just missing it. You can feel that tug. We don't always listen to the tug. But you can feel it. Even as a little one, we knew when we were out of line. Correct? We were all little once, okay? So we understand. Okay? Um, So John 16, verse 13. Thank God for Holy Spirit. John 16, 13, he continues. He says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into how much truth? All truth. He will not speak of his own authority because whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and he'll declare it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. What an amazing truth that God would reveal to us his word, his heart, his mind, his ways, his emotion. He'd reveal to us his plan. He'd reveal to us his son. And he would use his own Holy Spirit, who is God, and open our understanding, wisdom and revelation, and the knowledge of God, that he'd impart to us his nature. Okay, this is beyond the acts of God. I'm talking about the likeness of God, right? The essence of God and who he is. That makes you, takes you from mean to nice. (laughs) From greedy to giving. From sick to healed. From in bondage to free. From tormented to peace. 
to give us righteousness from heaven that we never deserved. And then he turns around and makes us trumpets of truth. It's a feast of trumpets. It's a feasting of a celebration of God's goodness and his word and his faithfulness from one generation to the next until we see him face to face. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a loud trumpet blast when Jesus comes again. Right? That's in your Bible too. The word of the Lord is, being, is, is prevailing and being made known. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. We know that. There's only one way to the Father, no other way, but through Jesus Christ, believing that he's the Son of God, believing that he was crucified on the cross for us, and he took our sin. He paid the fullness of all iniquity in our lives. He died. He was buried three days in the tomb, and God raised him from the dead three days later, for real, in the flesh, stayed there for how many days, walking and talking with them before he ascended back to heaven. And he's coming again, the same way he went. This is the gospel of the kingdom. So he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Oh God, open their eyes that they may see. No one can come to you, Father, except through me. You hear it? And what is so glorious is that we are waking up morning by morning satisfied with his presence and likeness. You can't boast in yourself. You can only boast in him. This is a battle cry, a sound from the heart of Holy Spirit. And right now he is saying, holiness now. I've been speaking on holiness for months, undergirding and supporting the word of the Lord that he's been speaking of, yes, The spirit of holiness is the Holy Spirit, the one we've been reading about that's bringing truth and revelation knowledge of Jesus Christ to each and every one of us. He is the one bringing, he cuts through error. He cuts through unbelief. He cuts through doubt. He cuts through grumbling, gropping, and complaining in our flesh. He cuts all the way through and loves us so unconditionally that he'll labor with us until the end until we grasp that we belong to Jesus. (laughs) And others are lost and they don't know this truth. And that's why he has made us trumpets of truth. Barriers of truth to go and tell the world that Jesus lives. And this battle sound is holiness now. The spirit of truth, he brings total victory in Jesus' name. We spoke last week about how he is the victory inside of us. Jesus wins, doesn't he? I hope y'all been saying that this week. Jesus wins. He always has the victory. Amen. He can't lose. His kingdom only increases. Now is a forward movement. Okay, we're going forward and onward. We're sounding the alarm. We give attention and we examine our hearts as we prepare ourselves for the Lord daily. And we govern in his kingdom while we do this. Our hearts are being prepared for him daily. We're allowing him to do that. At the same time, we're heralds of truth. Singers, prophets, proclaiming the good word of the Lord, bringing the good news, and he's saying, holiness now. Now go to Hebrews 12. Say, holiness now. (laughs) You can't get holy without Jesus, without his blood and his righteousness, amen? (laughs) Try all day if you want, and you got a good legalistic holiness movement without Christ, right? The only way you can be made right with God is through the blood of Jesus, by receiving his body and his sacrifice. That's it. 
Hebrews 12. Great chapter, but we're going to start on verse 12. Hebrews 12, verse 12. He says, Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many will become defiled. Now I'm going to read this again out of the Passion Translation. If you want to listen, they may have it. I don't know, but Hebrews 12 again, verse 12 in the Passion Translation says, so be made strong even in your weakness by lifting up your tired hands in prayer and worship and strengthen your weak knees for as you keep walking forward on God's paths, All your stumbling ways will be divinely healed. (laughs) In every relationship, be swift to choose peace over competition and run swiftly towards holiness. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. Make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. Wow, this is loaded, right? In the King James, the New King James, he said, pursue peace with all people. Pursue peace with all people. Pursue peace with all people. And holiness. We're to pursue holiness. Without which no one will see the Lord. That is very clear. Again, you can't see the Lord except through the blood of Jesus. You must be born again. Yes? But there's a perfecting in us. Just because we're born again doesn't mean we can live like rascals. Right? And just sin and do whatever we want to do. Our life is no longer our own. We've been bought with a price. Right? We're now the temple of the Holy Ghost who owns us and is Lord of us. Right? We died with Christ. We were crucified with Christ. So you see this just like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Yes, I've been made holy through the blood of Jesus. But he tells me to pursue holiness. He tells me to pursue peace with all. That's amazing to me. And he says, now here's the warning. Look carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. In the Passion, it says, for as you keep walking forward on God's path, all your stumbling ways will be divinely healed. Watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. Because we know without his grace, there is no way we can live uprightly. We're saved by grace through faith, yes? Yes. 
Look for God's grace daily. Expect God's grace. Expect his glory to wrap around you. Look for the glory of God. Look for the goodness of God. Look for the holiness of God. Because there's only one way to him. We can't live this without him. He warns us, look carefully. Let anyone fall short of the grace of God. Don't let any root of bitterness, any root of bitterness, let no one live with the root of bitterness. We all understand what bitterness is. Who drinks coffee in here? Wow, look at that. To me, coffee is really bitter, right? Never developed a taste. And some of y'all don't like it either. That's why you put caramel and Cool Whip and chocolate and smoothies and all kinds of butter and cream because you don't like it either. It's bitter, all right? And so you got to make it right. Uh, You know it's truth. I don't even drink coffee, right? My mom and dad drank it black, right? Black. Nothing added into it, right? I guess that was for free. (laughs) But we understand bitterness, right? Bitter, bitter, bitterness, bitterness. What is bitterness? God is addressing that in this entire context. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, and without which no one will see the Lord. Then he says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest, lest, lest warning any root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And many are defiled by it. I'm just saying it over and over again. Let every, in every relationship be swift to choose peace over competition. You know flesh. You don't have to be in track or sports or tennis to compete with someone. You can compete with any person under the sun, right? So Because you want to be accepted. You want to be set apart and special. So the spirit of competition comes from the world, the flesh and the devil, to make you feel less than you are. But God says, come to me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to part my spirit to you and reveal to you how holy I've made you. You're set apart for me. You're set apart for me. You're set apart for me. You are mine. That's how special you are. That's holiness under the Lord. You've been set apart for God. Pulled out of sin and the hell and set apart to God. And we got this fleshly competition going on unforgiveness, bitterness, strife, discord, envy, all the bad stuff, right? That's what humans do. That's flesh, right? He's calling you out of this. He's saying, be warned of this. We don't want a root of bitterness because it causes trouble and can poison the hearts of many. The other translation says it can, many can become defiled. So bitterness is a poison. We don't want to drink poison, right? Right? We don't want to drink poison. We don't want to drink something that will kill us. Correct? So, in Holy Spirit's renewal, we have the opportunity to make all things new in the fear of the Lord. That's what he does. And roots of bitterness usually almost always come through unforgiveness. Right? Classic. Starting with ourselves and our own sin, where we have to ask God to forgive us of our sin... Because we're bitter and enraged against ourselves, self-hate, self-condemnation. Many go from there to offense with God. Many, 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 many believers and unbelievers alike are offended with God. Why? 
Maybe because of unanswered, unanswered prayers or a great loss or maybe a delay or maybe you just don't believe him because you didn't think he was supposed to go the way it was winning, right? So you can have unforgiveness, deep wounds. You can have offense with God. He gets blamed for everything, but God is good. And he sent Jesus to take that into himself. Jesus drank the cup of gall. He drank the cup of bitterness. He drank it. All the way through. Yes? Roots of bitterness can come down generationally. Grandpa was bitter. Grandma was bitter. Mom and dad were bitter, and now I'm bitter. We all understand this? You don't have to work hard to get this. You're born in it. (laughs) Correct? You know what I'm talking about. And when you get older, you recognize it. And when you get in the Holy Ghost, now he starts shining the light in your own heart. and says, don't be bitter. Don't compete don't be jealous. Don't be envious. I'm right here. I got you. All you need is me, right? And then I'm going to empower you with so much love and sanctification that you're going to be able to love others, right? And serve others all your days. But we cannot have that root of bitterness. Let's go to Matthew chapter 3. Say, thank you, Jesus. I think I came untied. Matthew 3. Matthew 3, verse 10. This is of John the Baptist, who came before Jesus, preparing the way for him. Let's start in verse 7. Matthew 3, verse 7. You've got to get the full context here. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come into his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these very stones. Verse 10. So even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, referring to Jesus, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. Lay the axe to the root through repentance. Lay the axe to the root of bitterness through repenting and turning to God, right? He says, you must be born again. Repent and turn from your ways. Your own righteousness will not save you. Correct? He's calling forth. He says, even now, the axe is laid to the root of the tree. You're going to have to know what tree you're a part of. Because if you're not in Christ, okay, the tree of life, the axe is coming soon to your root. You will be pulled up and cast into unquenchable fire in hell forever and ever. Apart from God, you can do nothing. Right? 
And so he's bringing a baptism of repentance to prepare the hearts to receive Christ, the Messiah, who's going to come in mercy and compassion and truth and grace to save as many as he can. He says, you must believe in me. You must give your whole life to me. You can't have part, right? This is the gospel. It's amazing. He goes, and he's going to come in so much truth. He's going to be burning with Holy Ghost fire. He's going to bring a fire that will cleanse us and go down into those roots, pulling them up, cleansing the house. You've heard of, uh, we need a good spring cleaning. We just need a good house cleaning. Well, Jesus does that well in us, and he will until we see him face to face, right? Hallelujah. Why? Because when I see your face in righteousness, when I wake, I will be satisfied with your presence, likeness. Oh my God, as he is, so am I. (laughs) He took this flesh and transformed me into a son and daughter of the most high God. Not of my doing, but by my faith. My faith in him and what he did. This is the spirit of holiness at work in us. So many have perverted it into some legalistic movement of do's and don'ts. Listen, when you're in the Holy Ghost, he will tell you, don't. And he will tell you, do. (laughs) Right? Go to Acts 8. He is so good to us. And it's holiness now. That's it. We are trumpets of truth, and we are carrying this message. Acts 8, incredible chapter and testimony of the early church. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. It says, now Saul, and Saul was uh, a Pharisee of the Jews, and he was actually against the church at this point, persecuting them, the followers of Jesus. Okay, that's where we're starting. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Now Saul was consenting to his death, which was Stephen. Uh, At that time, a great persecution arose against the church which was in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except for the apostles. Verse 2, And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentations over him. He was martyred for his faith. They stoned him to death. Verse 3, So as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. So they ran, they scattered, and they went as trumpets of truth. (laughs) The devil didn't stop them, he just fanned their flame. The fire of God in them spread all the more. They literally were scattered like seeds into the region. Jesus said, first, you're going to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. You will start here in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and then to the remotest parts of the earth, Acts 1. And now it's starting through persecution, and they carry the living, breathing word of God, the sanctification of the Holy Ghost, and the fire of God with them everywhere they go. Got to see it in context. They just didn't leave, right? Just saying. I wasn't saying it's not hard. I'm not saying it's not hard, but we got to get our perspective right. So verse 5, we see a man named Philip. So Philip was one of these. He went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip. What does it say? The multitudes. The multitudes. The multitudes. 
This is more than one, right? The multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles that he did because God is confirming his word with signs, miracles, and wonders. Verse seven, for unclean spirits, those are demons, were crying out with a loud voice. They came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So he's going around doing good, healing all who are oppressed by the devil. He's casting out demons. The lame are walking. The paralyzed are being healed. Amen. Verse eight, and there was great joy in that city. Everybody, multitudes, <laughs> city. Think city here, okay? My goodness, they were so thankful. Um, Verse nine. But there was a certain man named Simon who previously practiced sorcery, that's witchcraft, in the city and astonished the people of Samaria claiming that he was just someone great (laughs) to whom they all gave heed and from the least to the greatest said, this man has the great power of God. And they heeded him because he, he had astonished them with his sorceries for a really long time. So the local witch doctor, Warlock, had dominion over the region, performing his own demonic evil signs, miracles, and wonders, serving Satan himself. The kingdom of heaven comes into the territory, right? <laughs> All right, so, verse 12. But when they believed Philip... But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. That's water baptized. Then Simon himself believed. This is the warlock, the sorcerer, the bad guy, okay? (laughs) Then Simon himself believed. And when he was baptized, that means in water, he continued with Philip. And he was amazed seeing the miracles and the signs that were being done. You're like, well, that's awesome. That's a good report to bring back to your church every Sunday. I saved the local warlock, right? Notching your belt. We got that one. That's awesome. (laughs) Verse 14, when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, okay, when they heard that the disciples in Samaria received the word of God, what did they do? They received the word of God. When you receive the word of God, you're going to receive the spirit of truth, correct? Thy word is truth. They sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they would receive Holy Spirit. This is the baptism of Holy Spirit of fire that John spoke of. For as yet he had not fallen upon, excuse me, but as for yet he had fallen only upon them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus So then these apostles laid hands on them and they received Holy Spirit. They were baptized in Holy Spirit and fire and a fresh impartation of the same power and anointing that was on Jesus. And when Simon saw that through the laying on the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given and he offered them money. And he said, hey, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So Peter turns to him and says, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Verse 21, you have neither part nor portion in this matter for your heart, here it is, your heart is not right with God. Your what? Your heart is not right with God. So the instruction in verse 22, so repent therefore of your wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. 
For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. You are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. So then Simon said, hey, pray to the Lord for me that none of these things that you have spoken may come upon me. My goodness. You talk a battleground, a battleground in the spirit. This dude is saved. But when it came really down to who owns the power, he's still in that other spirit. But it was called out here, you're poisoned by bitterness. You're poisoned by bitterness. The King James says, I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness, in the bond of iniquity. You understand? Pretty wretched. This poison. This is what bitterness, that's what we've all been born into in sin. We were poisoned with it, yes? And that gall of iniquity passed down from generation to generation until Christ shows up on our path. This bitterness is more than I'm just tired of dealing with you, woman. I'm so mad at you, I don't want to talk to you anymore, right? It goes way deeper than that. It goes down to the depths of hell where God says, I have pulled you up and out of this. I'm making you trumpets of truth. I'm making you sanctified and holy. Walk as holy as I walk. In an ungodly world that still wants to buy the power of God, that still wants to cheat and get their own way, right? I'm sending you out of trumpets as trumpets of truth to uproot these roots of bitterness in others. The Lord says, don't be ashamed of the Lord's holiness. Don't be ashamed. The church has been labeled, I don't know, I don't know, maybe since it existed, of a holier-than-thou attitude, right? But when you're called to walk after life and the word of God, those who are still lost see that as, well, you're just judging me. You're walking in the light now. I'm still over here in darkness, and you think you're better than me now. I've heard that. You probably have too. Some of you may have said that. But that's the conflict. He says, you must be born again. No one can come to the Father except through me. None of our good righteousness will ever get us to heaven. We must give our lives to Christ to receive his free salvation. But don't be ashamed of his holiness. It makes us separate. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. Special, set apart, his, his very own. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's what I just told you right? (laughs) We've been transferred out of darkness into light. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, so that you can proclaim his praises, who called us out of this darkness. Don't be ashamed of his holiness. Embrace it. You're like, well, if I repent and if I do this, they won't want to walk with me anymore. Just give it a little time. Let the light of God shine through you. You love all people. Usually they leave your presence. They don't want to party with you no more because you're not partying no more. Right? But give it time because the spirit of truth is searching for them. And you're the living witness. You're the firstborn witness from above to show them. Dude, this is what happened to me the other night. (laughs) Jesus came to me. I was reading the Bible. I felt the conviction. I repented of my sin. 
I always say this, the first friends of Jeff and I, we used to party and go to the bars with them. We'd love to dance and so forth. When they got born again, my first words to them, are you on some kind of religious high? That's what I told them. Are you on some kind of religious high? They weren't even baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire yet. They'd just been born again. And there was a conviction there as they herald a truth. Jeff's like, dang, man, we are so lost. Right? It's just, you've got to be born again. You can't just go to church, beloved. we got to know Jesus is Lord and Savior. And that hit me. But it's that they, they weren't even mature enough in the Lord yet to produce this great holiness movement. They were probably had all kinds of demons and bound in all kinds of unforgiveness and all kinds of bitterness. But it was the light of Christ in them. It was the holiness of the Lord that's taken territory. Taken territory. And if I'd been a witch back then, and I would have been witnessing to the dumb warlock. You understand. You know where you come out of. You're going to influence your sphere, your businessman, your families, wherever he puts us. So don't be ashamed of holiness. Ephesians 5, verse 25. He's changing the way we think, beloved. <laughs> he says, be holy as I'm Holy. Ephesians 5, verse 25. He's instructing the family here, and he's talking about husbands and wives here, and he's going to get into Jesus. So give ear. He says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Thy word is truth, remember? That he might present her to himself, a glorious church. Check it out. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That is the call and mandate on Jesus Christ as the head of the church to perfect the bride ready for himself. Right there in your Bible. Yes? The spirit of holiness. So don't be ashamed because, see, we're really being perfected for him. But while we're being perfected, we are these trumpets, all right, proclaiming the good news of the Lord. Now, I'm going to close here, and uh, we have many guests here today. You, are, you don't have to pray this with us, even here in the house, if you don't want to pray this prayer. But I am writing a prayer of repentance, if y'all could put that up, a corporate prayer of repentance for us just to pray generally. You can pray yourself. You can pray at home in your own closet with your family. But this is an overall prayer that I knew I was supposed to lead the body into on behalf of me and my house serving the Lord and taking heed to what the spirit of holiness is telling us. We don't want roots of bitterness. We don't want the works of the flesh. We want to be flesh and fresh and flourishing in him and honoring him, yielded to him so we can be rooted and grounded in him. Amen? So if you would please stand. You got it ready, Matt? So I'm just going to go slow. And I know you got to keep your eyes open to read. We'll have these up later for our notes. But ready? Again, this is up to you to pray. Ready? Go. Father, in Jesus' name, we, your children, choose to honor your word and your way and your holiness. You are holy. 
Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You are a consuming fire, and we, your church, choose holiness and the fear of the Lord to have total dominion in our lives and worship. We repent on behalf of ourselves, our families, and forefathers, and the church for all unforgiveness that has led to bitterness and deep wounding of the soul. We receive forgiveness as we forgive those who have sinned against us in Jesus' name. We renounce and destroy the flesh judgment against the church and saints of having a holier-than-thou attitude. We renounce and destroy all words of hate, deep hate, and animosity towards your house and your saints. We repent for our participation on behalf of our forefathers, families, and ourselves where we have agreed with any form of bitterness of soul that has poisoned our hearts and literal bodies and that has perverted the way of the Lord in our minds. We forgive our cities, states, and nation for all the participation with lies, perversions, and bitterness one to another. We honor the precious blood of Jesus that makes us white as snow, forgiven and free, and we receive your anointing. Your empowerment of Holy Spirit in our lives to have total and complete kingdom dominion. Teach us your ways, Lord. Show us the way to walk. We choose the truth and boldly declare your truth shall prevail over us and our families. And we loose the light of the Lord over all lies of darkness and perversion. We decree holiness now. We decree truth prevails. We decree righteousness and justice have the dominion. The scepter of righteousness rules the land in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So, Holy Spirit, we honor your direction today. This very prayer came from you. And we submit ourselves to you, Lord, and I thank you for moving, for removing every yoke and weight and burden and bondage from every soul, for taking and uprooting all roots of bitterness and offenses and unforgiveness, for healing all who call upon your name, Lord. We thank you for making us trumpets of truth, and we are here to the word of the Lord. Your word is truth, and we love you. And we honor you, Lord. Continue to use us for your glory in this hour. And may cities, regions, states, 
and nations come to know you, Jesus, as King. This message was brought to you by the Garden Gathering Church, a family of spirit-filled believers in San Angelo, Texas. We long to encounter God's presence and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.thegardenstc.org to realize how the revelation of Jesus Christ can fulfill your mandate in the kingdom of heaven.